welcome to the Production Talk podcast with me, Jan of MixArtist.com.au. In this podcast series, we celebrate the modern way of producing music. We want to talk about all things related to songwriting, recording at home and music production. So if you produce your music at home, this is the place to be. Please subscribe and recommend this podcast to all your friends. This is the Production Talk Podcast, Episode 61. Welcome back to another episode of the Production Talk Podcast. At the beginning of this episode, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the country that we are meeting on today, the Arakwal people of the Banjalong Nation. And I would like to pay my respects to elders, past, present and emerging. Today is another great interview and we are continuing a series of talking to a phenomenal drummers. Today with us is Grant Garethy. Thank you so much for coming. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jan. Thanks for having me, mate. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. It's the first day of spring and the sun's out. Yes, it's a phenomenal it's a day. day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a lovely place to be here. So thank you so much for making the time to speak to me today. Look, uh, I guess there are lots of people who know you already very well, but uh, there are also overseas listeners and you know some in very far places on the earth. To the few who may not know you, can you just quickly introduce yourself? Tell us about the projects that you're currently involved with. Okay, um... I'm a freelance drummer. I've played, been lucky enough to play with a lot of different bands all over the place. Uh, grew up in Sydney, been in the Northern Rivers for about 12 years now, and um, been lucky enough to play and tour with some of my favourite artists and still continue as a freelance drummer and do a bit of session work, a bit of live work, a little bit of production, and that's pretty much it. Can you please drop a couple of names? Uh, well, I've been lucky enough to tour with John Butler Trio. Did um, five years with John and we went around the world, I think, three times, maybe four times. Wow. And that was that was pretty good. Um, lucky enough to play with Pete Murray occasionally and Bernard Fanning and Bobby Alou. I'm the official fill-in for a lot of bands, which is, a good, which is a very good place to be. Yeah, yeah, right. Cool. Yeah. So you played with the John Butler Trio for about five, six years or about something? About five years, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. do I remember that correctly? Did you replace Nicky Bomba on That's the drums? Correct. yeah. Yeah. Wow, he, he's an animal. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's an amazing, amazing musician. Yeah. And uh, you took over. Wow, that's fantastic. Look, um, let, let's talk about your early days. How did you uh, start as a drummer? Do you play any other instruments? How old were you when you started? My mum's brother is a drummer. And uh, so it was always around. And mum encouraged me to play instruments. She bought me a drum kit when I was 10. I played it for a week. And it sat in the corner till I was about 16. And when I was 16, for some reason, I decided to play drums. And within a week, I could pretty much play basic grooves. So it was in there, but I just had to sit down and spend some time. But I always played mm. a little bit of guitar. But, you know, I call it drummer guitar. Yeah. I play straight eighth <laughs> notes with my right hand. And it's, it's pretty much, I got a good right hand yeah, from cool. playing hi-hat for 20 years. Uh, of course. My left hand's pretty slack. <laughs> <laughs> and you also sing? Yeah, sing, yeah, yeah. I've seen you sing background. Yeah, sing background and um, I've got a 
couple of projects where I sing some lead as well too, mm. recording projects, but um, yeah, mainly backgrounds, yeah. Okay. So as a, as a drummer, how did you get from being, you know, a 16-year-old drummer who had to learn how to hold the sticks to playing world tours with some of the biggest artists in Australia? You know, there's that's a huge distance you traveled there. How, how do you get there? What were the milestones? Uh, what did you do differently than other drummers? Uh, I think a lot of it was just the amount I got to play. I was lucky enough mm. to grow, in, grow up in Sydney at a time when there was so many gigs. I, I played seven nights a week and wow. quite often I was playing with musicians who were a lot older than me and they would, they would see that you sort of had something. They'd be like, oh, this guy's solid and they tuck you under their wing And you really learn so much from playing so much with so many older people mm. and so many different styles from rock, blues, funk, soul. And, and also if I wasn't playing, I was watching amazing drummers, people like uh, Gordon Rittmeister, Terra Pie Richmond, um, just there was uh, Warren Trout. There was just so many great drummers in town. So mm. you knew where you had to get to. Yeah, right. And, and then you got, you know, inspirations and you practiced. Yeah. And it's just the fact that I was playing for three hours every night. Yeah, right. It, it just, uh, if, if you do that many hours, hopefully you get better. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so in some ways, playing live sort of replaced the traditional practicing at home for you? Or is that all happening in addition? Um, I was never a, a very serious practice, but I, very, very serious at practice. But I would always play to records. Like mm, okay. for the first 10 years, maybe I was playing to Midnight Oil records and Led Zeppelin records and Beatles records. And, yeah, right. and that's still not much different to how I play now. You know, the, oh, those okay. drummers are, they just, they play grooves, they play the song and they stay out of the way. And I think that's still my biggest sort of influence. Those, those drummers, Rob Hurst, um, Ringo, John Bonham, wow. Al Jackson Jr., you know, they're, <laughs> They're all not too dissimilar. Yeah, 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 right. And um, tell us about your drum set. What instruments do you play? Uh, I've always played Ludwig, and um, I've been lucky enough to be a Ludwig in Dorsey for a little while now. Wow. Um, yeah, they're just... And, and funny enough, a lot of those drummers that I've mentioned all played Ludwig too. Yeah. And my uncle played a Ludwig, and when he passed away, I was lucky enough to buy the that actual drum kit off my auntie and that's my main drum kit really it's a 1969 ludwig and it's it, it, he took it around the world playing on cruise ships and then um yeah i haven't actually toured with that one but it's my main studio kit so wow. it's done it's done a few hours that that one nice so what's it like to uh, being endorsed do you get free stuff or how does it work practically um Look, I'm endorsed by Ludwig and Zildjian and Remo, and they've all been really, really good to me. Um, I, I don't, I don't take the Mickey at all. Um, if I need something, I get a endorsement rate, but they've all been really good to me. They'll often say, "Try this out," or, but more often than not, it's more if I need something, I'll, I'm happy to pay for it. But I'm lucky enough to get a, to get a, you know, a discount. And uh, did you approach them, or did they come to you? Uh... <sighs> I actually can't remember how it happened. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I feel like I feel like maybe um, maybe a bit of both. Yeah, there was, there's yeah. A bit, there's a company uh, a shop called Drum Tech in Melbourne, and Frank was very helpful with introducing me to some people, and a lot of the companies have similar distributors. So mm. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah that but, helps, of course. But the stuff that I'm that I'm endorsed for is stuff that I played from the start anyway. So not much changed really. Yeah, right. Just nice. I got I got fancier stuff than I had in the beginning. Yeah. So Sojourn, Remo, uh, and and Ludwig, they are my favorite brands. Yeah. You know, uh, I always loved Sojourn's. Uh, they're fantastic. They're 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 the ones that work for me. I mean, there's there's so many different great symbol yeah. manufacturers. Yes. But yes, that's true. That's the sound I'm used mm. to. Okay. It's the sound I know. There's a right. line of symbols called Coropes. I think that's how you say it. And um, that's the sound that I've had in my head my whole life. So, say so, and uh, I think we worked together once uh, at a pub gig in Billy Nudgel uh, at the Beer Garden. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that must have been. Five years ago, four years ago, I can't even say. But uh, that was a relatively small gig, you know, maybe a hundred people. So you've played all the events from small gigs like that to the big stages. What what difference does it make in your drumming? Do you need to adjust your drumming to the size of the venue? Um, or is that replaceable? Is it always the same? In theory, it's the same, but obviously volume's different. Um, okay. And the musicians that you're playing with make a big difference. Like... Uh, Please explain that. Well, if you've got um, if you've got players who are playing quietly, you can't play louder than them. And if you've got um, and also just where people sit within the music, mm. if you've got a bass player that's laying back and a guitarist that's pushing, you've got to somehow uh, meet in the middle. You can't you can't. So if if I've got a guitarist who's laying back on the backbeat, I'll I'll pull my snare back with them. You know, just be aware of the surroundings, like it. it The whole, I feel like a drummer needs to make the band feel better, and you, you've got to take your own ideas out of the whole equation and just follow what the band's doing. So if you if a if a band's sitting on top of a beat like a you know an Aussie rock beat, you got to sit on top of the beat with the band. If everyone's laying back, you can't be in front of them. You got to lay back with them, and so sometimes the venue makes a difference, and um. I'll, I'll sometimes I'll choose different drums because of the venue or the room, which I think most musicians would do. A guitarist would probably adjust their EQ or change the delay setting on their pedal. Mm. So, so it's kind of the same thing. Wow. Okay. And um, tell us about stage sound. You probably have played to you know any type of stage sound from phenomenal to probably also crappy on occasions. How do you overcome a bad stage sound? Is that the end of the gig, you know, does it all fall to pieces for you or is there a method to overcome it and, and still get a good show out of it? You have to take that out of your head yeah. and just, um, you, you can't use an, an excuse like bad stage sound to have a poor performance. You know, if you have to play quieter or play louder or use more visual cues, you, you do what you do to get through. Yeah, I mean, right. I've played, I've, I've had sound where it sounds like a record And I've had gigs where I can't can't hear the lead singer, but I can see what he's, you know, if, if the lead singer happens to be playing guitar, I can see what their right hand's doing. And sometimes it's literally a visual thing or, or playing from memory. Oh, wow. And, it, it, you know, you can wave your arms at the monitor guy for so long and there's a point where you just have to move on, look forwards and yeah, right. be there to do one job. Oh, that would be terrible, not, not being able to hear the singer. It's rare, but it, yeah. it does happen sometimes. Yeah, you're right. And sometimes through nobody's fault. And uh, do you prefer stage monitors or do you prefer in-ear monitoring? I prefer monitors, but I think um, 
I love in-ears for singing because it just puts your voice in your head. And it's also great for the fact if the volume that I've played some gigs, if I didn't have in-ears, I would probably have massive hearing loss mm. because if I'm playing, the, you know, some of the bigger stages, your dynamic range gets pushed from five to ten rather than two to seven or if, if you think yeah. of it like a scale like that. And so the good thing about in-ears is that you can pick how loud you want you want them to be. They're, they're working as earplugs as well. And then I, I, don't like, I don't like it too loud. I like it just comfortable. Okay. But um, I think wedges, quite often I think a band plays better on wedges. I could be wrong, but I feel like you're playing to the environment a little bit mm. more. Mm. And I mean, I've been lucky enough to have really good quality in-ears with amazing engineers and, you know, we play well, but okay. there's something about wedges. It's yeah. having that air. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The physical energy that yeah. you get from it. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, when you work with in-ears, do, do the engineers feed some of the audience back into your your ears to get a bit of a sense of, you know, the size of the venue or? Some engineers do, yeah. some don't. Yeah. It, it sort of depends. And, um, yeah. and and sometimes you can feel a little bit isolated in, in ears, but quite mm. often I'll just pop an ear out a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Because you can control, you, you know, you can push them right in if you really need to feel that tightness. Yeah. But you can also just sort of let a bit of the outside air in if you yeah, need right. to. Have you ever been asked to, to play on a click live? Yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah. Yeah, right. How, the, in this case, you obviously use in-ears so that the click don't wouldn't bleed? Or, yeah, that's right, or yeah. Or do you use a bass shaker, you know, one of these shakers no, that you add to, to a seat? I've always done it with in-ears, but mm. I, I'm really not a fan of it. I don't, yeah. I don't mind if anyone else does it, but yeah. <laughs> me personally. I just, I just hear, I feel like a band, a good band doesn't need, doesn't need a click or track. mm I think Dave Grohl once said, "Why do you need a, why do you need a track when you got a drummer?" Yeah, but you know, um, <laughs> you know, certain styles of music. Some people do really use it well, mm. but I'm, you know, I'm still a big fan of the Rolling Stones and bands like that. They yeah. just classic. They've been just, you know, they've been doing it the same way for 50 years, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. That's right. All right, let's let's talk about studio work for a moment. Um, obviously, you know, when you work in studios. Um, I guess you've worked in some of the bigger studios. Uh, there's always a bit of time pressure. Yes. And um, once time pressure kicks in and everybody's aware that, you know, every minute money is being spent, that can build up a bit of pressure. How do you keep your nerves and how do you stay relaxed in, a, in, a, in an environment like this? How do you lay down really good takes? How do you get your mind ready to ignore all of this and, and actually play your heart and soul out? I think it's... You've just got to stay on top of yourself, uh, like mentally. Just listen to what everyone else is doing, and don't, just don't think about it. Just you've mm. got—it's pretty easy just to focus on one thing. So if you can just—you just got to turn the world off around you, okay. and you know, count it in, and you know, the track—the one job is to get that track right. And sometimes, sometimes you make mistakes. Sometimes you, um, you know, sometimes you can get frustrated, and but. It's just a matter of we're lucky that we do it so often that we just know we know where we've got to get to, and and we're honest yeah, with right. ourselves. You know, yeah. lucky that a lot of the musicians I play with are all of a similar level, and we just know that we have to get to that finish point. Okay. And and producers and engineers will 
have good input and know how to um what's the best way to say it know how to guide you oh, i yeah, see yeah mm. so just quite practically speaking you know have have you ever felt the pressure have you been frustrated or you know annoyed in the studio if things don't go as as planned how do you overcome that if you notice that it's not the right mindset right now you you're a bit stressed what do you do now um yeah look i've had there's been times definitely where people have tried to explain a part to me and somehow it gets lost in translation or they're speaking one language and I'm speaking another language or, and I often say, can you sing it to me? Can you write it out? Can you play it to me? That's, that's probably the only time where it really gets to that point because mm. you want, you want to give them what they want and yeah, it, right. it doesn't matter what it is. If, if they want a certain thing, I want them to get what they want. That's, that's probably the hardest, most difficult thing sometimes, but we always find a way somehow. Yeah. <laughs> just, you just got to be open and mm. level-headed. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, it sounds like you, you managed uh, quite naturally to, to do that. Uh, so it doesn't seem to be a big effort for you in, in a studio to, you know, get into the right mindset. Well, it depends too what sort of sessions you're doing. Most of the sessions yeah. I do, people either have a, fairly uh a, a fairly straight idea of what they're after or they're just like i want it to mm. sound like the beatles yeah and, and they're, they're open to that yeah they're open to my interpretation of whatever they say so it's different every time but yeah okay yeah Good. Does that, does that answer that? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, thanks for that. Let's talk about grooves. So you mentioned earlier that as a 16-year-old you learned, you know, how to play the drums within a week or so. If if we rewind it back to that 16-year-old Grant and you played a simple, you know, 4-4 four, four straight beat, it would probably sound very different to what I would play today. I'm an okay drummer, not good, or what you would play today. But it could be the same notes. Can you explain that to us? What makes a beat actually work really well? You know, even a simple beat, if, if played by a good drummer or an experienced drummer like yourself, there's a certain magic about it. What is that? A lot of it, it's, it's like someone's uh, accent or um, punctuation in their voice. Like you and yeah. I talk very differently, but we're talking the same language. Yeah. So you and I could sit down and play kick on, kick on one and three, snare on two and four. And it's going to sound different because we're different sh size and shape people. We've got different ears. We've got different hands. And you could have a click track going at 120 beats per minute. And technically, it's, we're both playing in time with the click, but it's going to feel different. And I don't know what that always is. I, I tend to push the kick a little bit and pull the snare back a little bit, but not always. And there's also, like, uh, there's... There's so much subtlety in the way that you can play a hi-hat groove. Mm. There's difference in the balance. So I tend to hit the kick a bit harder than a lot of other drummers. So that's going to feel slightly different. And it might only be a tiny bit harder. Or I'll try to play note length on a kick drum where other people don't. You, you, or I'm aware of the note length when I play a kick drum. So if I'm going, you know, kick, snare, kick, kick, snare, I'm thinking of those kick drums as, as all being different note lengths. And so there's that, plus it's just the natural feel that it's like the way I walk or the way I talk. Can you explain that note length a bit more for me? I'm not sure if I get this. You know, a kick is just a transient and it's got a bit of a sustain. Is, is that what you mean, the, the ring of the kick? Yeah, there is. And, and yeah. even if you put a 
put three pillows in the kick drum, mm. you still can control the length of the kick a little bit. Through playing? Through playing, yeah. And it's something that How? I didn't realize I was doing. <laughs> Just by the way, you, I mean, my foot's sliding up and down the pedal board all the time, but it's also how hard you hit it, how how far you let the beater come back. Oh, wow. Sometimes okay. you almost hold, I mean, I bury the beater, but sometimes it comes off a whisker. Yeah. And it's a bit like the snare drum. You, you know, I, I if you're playing big two and four with some ghost notes, the two and four are, are almost like a quarter note. And then the ghost notes are the divisions of the quarter note of, um, of 16s or something. And wow. so they're, they're kind of shorter notes. And it, it, technically, if you look on a screen, they look the same, but the transients do look a tiny bit different when you're playing, mm. you know, long, short, long, long, short. It's, it, it, it actually does look different on the transients on the computer too. I've played the drums for many years of my life. You know, I'm not an active drummer anymore, but I've never once thought about note length in that way. That's, that's absolutely mind-opening to me right now. I always assumed that note length is something that guitar players can do and piano players can do to some way, but drummers... Well, that's eye-opening. Well, we're playing with yeah, the, if yeah. we if we're playing the same. Oh, quite often we're playing the yeah. same pattern as a bass player. So if with that groove that we're talking about, you know, mm. long, short, long, long, short. If a bass player is going boom, 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 we we've got to match that. And I know we can't technically hold the kick drum for that long, but there is a there is a long note and a short note that you can get out of the same drum. Okay. Or the feeling of it too. It could it could almost also be where it falls within the the grid, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, right. But it's it's not it's not all yeah it's not all staccato. Yeah, right. Look, uh, later today I'm gonna get some time on the drum set and just give that a shot. I've yeah. never considered that. Give I it would, a go. I would I would definitely try that. Think of a classic country mm. Americana country beat. Yeah. They're not all the same length kick drums. Yeah, right. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, what is the right amount of, of drum notes for a song? Should, should it be busier? Should it be minimalistic? How, how do you know what is too much? Um, it, it's how long is a piece of string. Yeah, it, of course. Every song's different. Yeah. I, I've done songs where I play the one groove for the whole song without even a cymbal hit. And then the other day I played on a track And he said, open up in the bridge. And I've done more drum fills in that bridge than I've done in songs in the last <laughs> 20 years. And and it sounded great. He, mm. he sort of said to me, in between the vocal phrasing, I want you to play a triplet and then do, do something Stuart Copeland-ish in this section. And and I, at, when I was playing it, I was like, wow, that's a lot of notes. But listening back, he had a great vision and it sounds really good. So it's not right or wrong. And, it, and there's some players yeah. who... Someone like David Garibaldi, who is almost playing 16th notes the whole time, but it's the grooviest music you've ever heard. Mm. And there's other people who literally, Steve Gadd will play a swing beat and literally just play quarter notes only. And it feels like it's swinging harder than anything you've ever heard. So <laughs> it, it, I don't know, I don't know yeah. what the answer is, but okay. I, th I think a good musician will play what's needed for the song. Yeah, right. So it really depends on what you play into you know the what what the other musicians are doing that's right yeah 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 right like mm. like, like tower of power like david garibaldi um and rocco they, they were literally playing 16th notes the whole time and that's some of the grooviest funk music mm. 
I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, I guess not all of these notes are played loud. Yeah, there's there's, there's probably lots, lots of ghost quiet notes. notes yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Wow, that that's really cool. Um, is it different in a studio than than live? Do you sometimes play a bit, a few more notes live, a bit more energetic, or do you try to really copy the exact performance from the studio when you when you play a show? I, I think once again, it depends what what the uh, song is, but mm. yeah. Live songs tend to be faster and louder yeah. and busier and, <laughs> and sometimes and longer, more energy. Guess, yeah, and it yeah. and also depends mm. if you're playing through a big PA. I was lucky enough to work with a really really um, talented engineer, Colin Ellis, and he would just like be like, "Mate, just play quarter notes." The when the big stages, that's that's all you're going to hear. If, mm. if you play too much, it it's kind of disappears. And you you hear bands like Green Day and. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, say say Green Day. They've gone from being a sort of punk garage punk band to a stadium band, mm. and their new songs they're they're very very sparse and simple, but they sound amazing in a stadium. Yeah, right. So it's sometimes also about the notes you don't play. Yeah, but yeah. but the police were mm. were you know some of Stuart Copeland stuff was really busy, but very busy. It, yeah. it, it it translated. So yeah, yeah I yeah, don't that's know. That's true. That's it's true. Just horses for courses, and yeah. there's always going to be. An exception to the rule. Yes, definitely. <laughs> a nice one. Uh, I guess, you know, it really depends on what you get back from the other musicians as well. So, you know, if, if they leave a lot of space, do you sometimes feel like you need to step in and, and fill it? Or, you know, do you step back when they play busy stuff? Um, I, I don't know if it's actually, a, if, if it's a conscious decision. Okay. I think a lot of the time it's... Yeah. Some some so often, like if it's his vocals, the vocals will dictate a lot of what's going on. Yeah, and the song will dictate. So often you hear a song and you just you just know how it's going to sound at the end, or you've got a fair idea. Mm. It might change, but a lot of songs will just tell you what to play. Wow, okay, that that's really good. Can you tell us a bit more about um, your studio work? Uh, do I remember correctly that you're available as as a studio drummer? That people can book you that's correct yeah and they can send you let's say their you know guide tracks and then you record drums and send it back online yeah that's correct i've got a little setup and i do remote stuff yeah and as well as um you know i can do face to face as well fantastic so yeah. do you work from home or have you got a, a studio yeah for that? i have have a studio at home mm, yeah cool. i was lucky enough to are you happy to share what the studio looks like what you know drums what gear what what devices one would find in there yeah it's a it's a It's a tiny room. It's a 90s-style house with a three-meter-by-five-meter garage attached to the house. And um, it's basically, you know, it's, it's that's a small studio. But I've got some reasonably good preamps and reasonably good microphones, and I've learned how to make the room sound good. A lot of it, I've, you spend a lot of time in a room, you'll know how to play into it. And you start, it's funny, you start hearing reflections or mm. resonant frequencies And the next thing I know, I'm sticking mattresses on the wall and pillows. And, <laughs> all right, yeah, there's something going on in that right corner. And eventually, you, I build something more temper, more um, permanent. But yeah, uh, and playing to the room, you know, you can't. Yeah, right. Mm. Sometimes some some rooms you got to play the cymbals loud. Sometimes you got to play them gently. And yeah, but I'm, I'm lucky. My small room is quite balanced for what it is. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, when you do remote work, um, obviously it's hard to communicate about a take and get feedback from, from your clients. Do you just give them different takes of different energy or uh, do you get really clear idea? Do you ask a lot of questions up front or how, how do you get it right? 
I, I try to find out their vision and uh, most people are, most people these days understand a lot of different instruments. I think it's just the yep. nature of it because because people can get on a a program and get Easy Drummer or something mm. like that. They'll often have a pretty good idea. Yeah. And uh, and they might go, it might be like, oh, just a drum fill into each chorus or sometimes they'll tell you, I want the drum fill into the chorus to be Pat Boone, be- Debbie Boone or something like that. And, <laughs> but yeah, gen- most people tend to know what they want. Yeah. And okay. I'll take notes and hopefully get it right. Sometimes I'll come back with edits and that's cool. Yeah. And uh, do you cover a range of different genres or do you specialize in, in specific uh, styles? Yeah, I, I mean, I throw my hand at anything. But yeah. I, I'm not a great jazz drummer. I've done a lot of jazz gigs, but I'm not a jazz drummer. That's something that takes a life. Mm. You, you know, that you, you can, people commit their life to that style yes. of music. And, and I love listening to it, love playing yeah. it. But it's it's just... It's more the rock, funk, soul, country, Americana mm. stuff that I think I I would say I'm it's a I've spent more time doing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. And uh, when you work at home, you obviously got to operate uh, the recording system, your computer, I guess. Yes. And uh, the drums all at once. How does that work for you? Well, I I'm lucky enough. I used to drag the mouse and the um, you know, just the Bluetooth mouse and keyboard over to the drum set. I've even stopped doing that with, with Pro Tools. I just do a pre-roll of eight bars and get there and... Yeah, right. Yeah, you jump in. Okay, so it's yeah. just a bit of walking for and back. Well, it's only a five-meter long room, yeah, yeah, right. so it's, 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 <laughs> it's not that bad. Yeah, it's not so okay. bad. And then with, you know, finding your sound, you probably had to record something, then readjust your input gains, you know, record again until you had the settings yeah, right? Yeah, that's, that's where it takes a bit of time. Yeah, yeah. And and listening to the, mm. to the snare you know, does a snare or do the toms fit the key of the song? Sometimes. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's not important. Oh, I mean, it's, it's always yeah. important. But um, I know there's a there's a guy that I've done some tracks for in Germany and he's very particular about the pitch of the snare drum to the song. He's like, I don't want it to be the same key, as, the same pitch as the tonic. He's like, I want it to be a third or a fifth. And um, and I spend a lot of time with him because he, he knows exactly what he wants. Yeah, right. But... And then you tune your snare to a musical pitch. Yeah, it's not very often I do that. Yeah, it's yeah, more. Right. It's more. I'll, I'll play, and you can just hear the overtones because there's kind mm. of three. There's kind of three pitches to a drum. There's a. There's like the main fundamental, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. And it drops a third or whatever it is, and then there's a overtone. So it's, I guess you just got to listen to all of those, and you you feel it when it's wrong. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Nice one. That reminds me of uh, a chat I had with uh, James Lyle about, you know, EDM music. Yeah. And uh, he's really big on getting the kick drum and the bass uh, tuned perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in EDM, it's it's absolutely critical, but it's actually interesting to see that this even applies to, to snare drums in, in different genres. Mm. I did a session when I was maybe 19 with a really, really experienced engineer who happened to be playing keyboards in that on that session. And I was writing the floor tom with the song. And he said to me, oh, Grant, it feels good, mate, but I think the floor tom isn't in tune with the song. And I'm like, what do you mean? And then once I was aware of that, I was like, of course. Yeah, right. It's a, it's, mm. You know, there's a, there's a pitch on a floor tom. Yeah. And if it's a semitone out from the, from the band, it's like, mm. it's, it gets pretty ugly. Okay. So 
how do you do that practically? So you start tuning until it's right, but you know, what if the next song is then in a different key? Uh, then I'll adjust it. There's little mm. tricks, there's little mm. cheats with drums where you can sometimes drop one lug or even loosen the wires on a snare and it will change the pitch slightly. Depends how close you are. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's another eye-opener for me. I've never understood that at all, um, how, how you can tune drums to a pitch. And, you know, when I change the tuning of my kits, that's usually, you know, a couple of hours of a mission mm. to get a drum set tuned. But how do you do it quickly? That's... Just time. It's a bit like... That's it's a bit like to me. It's a bit like um, you, you EQing something. You've done it so many times. Oh, okay. I've seen you do it in, with, while, you're, while you're having a conversation. It's it's so ingrained. Your ears are so tuned to it yeah, from right. years of doing it. But sometimes it takes a minute. Yeah. 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 And some people have some people have better pitch than others. Some some people will point out to me, hey man, that something weird going on with the tuning of those drums. And I'm like, oh, okay. And you trust them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. And do you then tune the, the toms in relation to each other? Do you choose intervals deliberately? Yeah, yeah. I generally sort of go one, three, five. Mm. But I, I usually just play two toms unless someone yeah. asks me one up, one down. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it all has to be relative to the song. Yeah. Yeah. It's, That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Oh, look, um, you dropped so many knowledge bombs on me today already. <laughs> uh, literally, I learned so much about drumming from you. That is absolutely ridiculous, man. I, I thought I knew it all, but obviously I don't. Uh, that's really, really good. Look, if people wanted to reach out to you and book you for live shows, for studio recordings, um, where should they go? Uh, if you go to my Instagram, unfortunately, my website's down at the moment. Um, it'll be back up soon, but Instagram's the easiest place to find me. My handle is cruise the day money by night. But if you type in Grant Gerethy, it'll come up on Instagram. Or my email address is grantdrums at hotmail. Okay, look, I put all of these things into the show notes. So, Appreciate that. Um, yeah, at the end of the episode, just scroll down, click the link, and you'll find Grant. Thank you so much for blowing my mind today. <laughs> thanks, Jan. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. It's great to have you. Oh, thanks Cheers, for having mate. me, mate. It's a great podcast, and I'm, I'm stoked to be involved. Thank you, mate. This was master drummer Grant Garethy on the Production Talk podcast. Well, I hope you enjoyed this interview just as much as I did. It's quite amazing how much I learned today. So thank you, Grant, for sharing your wisdom with us. If you want to find out more about Grant or listen to his music, uh, go to the show notes and click the links to his website and social channels. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go to your podcast application and give us a review. A five-star rating would be very, very much appreciated. Thank you so much. If you want to get in touch with me, you can, of course, visit my website, mixartist.com.au, where we offer studio recordings and, of course, worldwide online mixing for anybody who needs a little bit of help pushing their projects across the finish line. This is all for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. Stay tuned. Next week is another very exciting interview coming up. We are going to speak internationally to one of Europe's biggest touring artists. This is all for today. You have a great week. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.